Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the State of Us on True Chat in Urbana, Ohio. I'm Justin T. Weller. And I'm Lance Jackson. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. According to the Wall Street Journal on Thursday, December 7th, as promised, Jerusalem move stokes tensions. Trump's decision to declare the city Israel's capital paves uncertain path for peace efforts. Quote, this is a long overdue step to advance the peace process and work towards a lasting agreement, Mr. Trump said in a short address at the White House. Quote, Israel is a sovereign nation with the right, like every other sovereign nation, to determine its own capital. Acknowledging this as a fact is a necessary condition for achieving peace. His decision delivered a decisive U.S. affirmation of Israel's view of its place in a tumultuous region and also allowed him to begin to fulfill a campaign promise to supporters at home. Mr. Trump also addressed concerns that his announcement risked prejudging the outcome of negotiations, saying that many details must be worked out between Israelis and Palestinians, including boundaries in Jerusalem. He also said the U.S. would support a two-state solution, including a separate for Palestinians. That he had previously declined to endorse. Israel leaders were nearly alone among foreign officials in applauding Mr. Trump's decision. Israel's prime minister said Mr. Trump's recognition of Jerusalem, quote, is an important step towards peace. Others predicted it would be difficult to make the peace process. This step is prejudging, dictating, closing doors for negotiation, and I think Trump disqualified America from playing any role in the peace process, the chief Palestinian peace negotiator said in a video statement issued by his office. So this is what everybody was predicting. Again, the quick rundown here is that Trump in his speech did declare that Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel. The U.S. Embassy will move there. However, we expect that'll take at least six months and possibly up to two years to actually get done. And it know, won't be a target for Palestinian bombings or terrorist no, acts or anything. No, definitely. Not at all. No, nope. not It'll at all. It'll be perfectly safe sure. in Jerusalem. Sure, yeah. I, I want to I wanna be a worker at the U.S. Embassy. So, Lance, could you lay out for us, just <clears throat> for any of our listeners who maybe aren't as up to speed, why is Jerusalem such a contested city? Well, it's you between have, Palestine and Jeru- and uh, Israel. You have the Jewish, the Christian, and the Muslims all claiming that it is their holy city, okay. and that they all this is all where they they consider the holiest of holiest places. And so, if you give it to Israel, which was set aside and recognized after World War II as a Jewish homeland for Jews all over the world, so that in response, you know, the the winning side's response to the Holocaust that to give them a safe place to a safe haven to go now by claiming that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel then the United States is siding with the side of the Jewish state as to who has control over the holy city and the holy sites within the city 
And so you're basically taking the, the Muslims and saying, this city doesn't belong to you guys. There's nothing here. And uh, you don't have access to your holy of holiest sites in your religion. So you're upsetting Muslims across the world uh, by, by doing this, by saying that you are siding with the Jewish state of Israel that Jerusalem belongs to them and only them. Well, right, except for in Trump's announcement, he did say that the boundaries in Jerusalem still have to be decided. Okay, and and he knows what those are, right? And he has a clue Why? what he's talking about? No, they just have to be because decided. Because every peace you know, process, every peace process between the Palestinians and the Israelis has held out that claiming that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel is the last carrot that you hold out to the Israelis to get them to sign a peace treaty. Because that's when you determine what the boundaries are and what you're going to take away from the Jewish state and give to the Muslims that the Jewish state wants. Well, so when Trump says, well, this is part of every peace process, it is. It's the last piece. What Trump has done is jumped the broom and he's gone to the end first and he's given Israel what they want from the peace negotiations without Israel having to say anything about stopping settlements, drawing the boundaries whatsoever. So Israel, there's, there's no reason for Israel to come to the table. And even the Israelis are mad. The only part of Israel that's excited are the, is the right-wing coalition of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. The rest of Israelis don't want this because now they've just all, upset all the Palestinians. And you want to talk about terrorist acts and bombings and everything in Israel. They already have a two-year mandated everybody serves in the military, men and women, because they're protecting themselves. And now you've just upset the entire world. You've upset the entire apple cart, not only Muslims, but everybody else around the world. Where are you going to get help from? I mean, nobody wants to help them. You know, Trump wants to, to speak of America first and, and nationalism, and he's just now put Israel out on an island, and its only benefactor is the United States. So to keep Israel in existence, the United States is going to have to help out Israel. And I thought all we cared about if you were Trump was the United States. And he's just now, he's given Israel no allies well, except then, the United States. So let's take it from, uh, from the Trump perspective here. If America's first, I mean, obviously what he's doing must not put America in harm's way, right? Or, or no greater harm's way than it was before. How does this help America? Not at all. Okay. How does it hurt America? What? I mean, it, it how helps. does this affect Trump? Did this Americans? because he promised it. He said no other president has done this, and I'm going to do it. That's so right. now he can stand up and say, "See, I did something. I accomplished something. Look at how much I'm getting done. I'm doing things that I said I would do." And, and that Ameri- is, I mean, that in this case is true. That's he said what, he'd right. do this, and he did it. Right. <laughs> so he's got that. But he's totally screwed up things. And now he's going to claim we're safe because he now just the Supreme Court just uh, acknowledged last week that the Muslim ban can take effect. That's right. So he's going to protect America because they, them, the bad guys, are going to have to stay over there because he's not going to let them. He's, he himself, now with his Muslim ban at the airports, is going to stop the terrorists from getting into our country. Totally disregarding the number of Muslims that already live in the United States that are American citizens. Oh, yeah, but so are the Puerto Ricans, and they still don't have any power. So it doesn't matter if you're an American to Trump because it only matters if you're a white American to Trump and you vote for him and you're part of the 33% of the people that support him. He doesn't care about the other 67% of Americans. Excuse me. Sorry, little. <laughs> <coughs> sorry for innuendoing and all that kind of stuff. I had to let him get it out. Well, um, you know, I just read. Uh, but basically that's what he's going to do. He's going to say. He's going to say, we're safe mm-hmm. because we're not going to let those people in. And then if they're, heaven forbid, that there is a bomb. I mean, remember, we already had the terrorist attack in New York City. 
where the guy drove down the sidewalk and, yep. and killed people. Okay, so Trump's not really protected us. I mean, that's in his home city of of New York. I mean, and I and I'm not. I'm really not attacking Trump, but when when you deal with his kind of his common sense and his outlook on things, those are the kind of things you have to bring up because that's what he understands. Right. You know, I think we we're, we're very safe. I think we we've, we've done a wonderful job since 9/11 trying to balance freedom with protection. Right. You know, I I obviously you've heard me if you've listened if you're a regular listener of this show, I think we need to have more freedom that all of the things that we've done to protect ourselves take away from our freedom and I'm not for that at all. But if you want to look at it objectively, I think we've done a nice job of trying to balance people's freedoms overall with safety. I think right. we've gone too far in a few cases and things like that. But all in all, we all pretty all, much answered I, I what people say, wanted. Which right. Was to Americans, be safe. Are, Americans are comfortable and safe and all that kind of stuff. There's more internal terrorists committed by American citizens. With, which is a different issue. With, with school shootings and racial shootings and yeah. police violence in neighborhoods or, or Violent neighborhoods with police reaction, whichever way. Again, I'm not going to get into all of that that we can talk about. But we seem to be having more trouble getting along with ourselves than we do with outsiders coming in. But that's what Trump's going to say is, it's not going to harm us because I want to protect us. And I and I fulfilled a campaign promise. And see, it is America first because I'm not going to bow down and kowtow to what the rest of the world wants. I'm making America a leader. That's the way he's going to look at it. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way I would spin it. Is see, I'm making America first. I'm putting our interest first. I'm not going to let the rest of the world tell me what to do. Okay, this is unpopular. That's a good thing. It's unpopular because that means we're doing what needs to be done. That's the take that you have if you're President Trump. And like I said, 33% of Americans are going to agree with that. But what it does, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is it puts us in in harm's way, and it it makes us less effective in the world because. You know, Germany's on record of saying, even when Donald Trump is done being president, the United States will not hold the same sway with Germany as it did before. Because we, excuse me, we are going to have to go on now and create our own policies because from this point on, we don't know what we're going to get out of the United States. Right. So it's it's all it's evidence, in other words, that other countries are already... We're already feeling long-term ramifications. They're planning from a for the president future. Who's still right. in office. They're planning for the future because it's like, well, if the Americans can elect Donald Trump, okay, they 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 elect someone new in three years or seven years, that may be a short-term solution because they may go back to somebody like Donald Trump. So the rest of the world is looking at this and saying, we need some long-range plans to where we can take care of situations without the United States because. We can't count on 70 years of U.S. policy to still be in existence yep. because of this one little bump in the road with Donald Trump. The last the last note that I've got on this, because we do want to talk about um, hiring growth, powering the economy. And this, as an issue that we've talked about a number of times before, we know that it is a multifaceted subject. There's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, what we're talking about here is specifically the move by Trump. If we wanted to get into how do how do you go about fixing this? What's the right way to approach it? That is easily a show all by itself, and probably five or six. Probably shows. a nice series that we yeah, could do. Uh, a series because it is very complicated, and it's one of the reasons for what it's worth. Even if you don't agree with Trump's decision, you have to admit that every every president for what the past three or four presidents has put off making this decision, which by 
legislation they are required to make. You know, they basically said, well, I'm not going to make it right now, which they can do because there's a loophole that allows them to do that. You know, they don't have to do anything. But they've all, for the most part, kicked the ball down the down the road, so to speak, and and they've left it up to other people to deal with. Some of them have tried to do this, that, or the other thing, but they've never really gone after it as an important policy piece, mainly because it's a really tough, tough thing to figure out. No one's figured out the you know, the perfect solution to this or a solution rather there. I think we've figured out some quote unquote perfect solutions, but they're not solutions that Israel and Palestine will accept. Uh, and that, of course, is is the biggest challenge. So I guess you do have to, even though Lance obviously adamantly is against what Trump did and, and I am for what it's worth as well. Um, I think that hey, it's taken North Korea off the front page for a couple of days. That's right. Now we got, you know, we can we could get hit from any side of the world. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I don't know, though. If he doesn't have the headlines, he might not want to do anything. Or he'll have to do something to get the headlines back is probably you know, the probably is, more The Islamic State, ISIS, still exists. Yes. Americans. And if you don't think you've given them... You've upset moderates. You've upset people that... that Are reasonable good people. That were pro-U.S. Yeah. I mean, around the world. And not just Muslims. But the Germans, the French. The, I mean, everybody, there's, there's nobody on our side except Benjamin Netanyahu's right-wing government. That's it, which is only one of three parties, two major parties, and a third party in Israel. Yeah, because they have a prime minister in place where they make you know deals to be get to be in charge of the government. The, you've only you you haven't even you haven't even made the majority of the people in Israel happy because so, because Benjamin Netanyahu's party is not the majority of the voters in Israel. He's got a he's got a coalition government there. You haven't even made the, the majority of people in Israel happy with by doing this. That just doesn't but, but make he, sense. He kept a promise, Lance. That's all and it is. That's, that's all it is. And, I kept and that's promise. what counts. Yep. And and again, whether or not you agree with it, just like there were more people that we do and, finally and, have to acknowledge. He, he he kept a campaign promise. He said he was going to do it. He did it. It's done. And also, again, he's done something which has been something that he's pushed, and it's part of what his core relies on is. He's showing them, I am doing something. Congress won't do X, Y, and Z, and I can't make them, but I can do this. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. If I get you know, if I get bored, if I'm waiting too long on them to do something that I promised I would do, or if they just won't do it, you know, uh, like health care, then, then I'm just going to do something else that I promised that I can do. Right. And that's, you know, immigration. Uh, in this case, it's it's Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Well, last thing on this, Lance, and, you know, we won't have time to talk about it much, but I, I, I'm excited to see his facial expression. I'm sorry that you guys can't see it. Jim Jordan spoke at Urbana University. Oh. I think it was like a week ago or something to manufacturing business leaders. Right. And he spoke briefly on Trump, and he said that he honestly believes, fully believes that Trump is a good guy and that he really cares about the everyday American, and he's trying to look out for them. And he said, hey, we might not like the way that he does things, but I know that he's got our interests, our best interests in mind. Yeah. That just gives me another check mark against Donald Trump. Thanks for yanking my chain on Saturday morning. <laughs> uh, well, I thought you'd like that. Yeah. thought you'd like to know what your congressman had to say about Sorry, I missed Jim Jordan. The, the president. Man, I was out at UU, too. I didn't know. <laughs> I'd, I'd have gone over and been chanting in the background against him. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I always like to protest Jim Jordan. Yeah. So, uh, so One of America's finest people. That, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, Don't so, hate us because he comes from here. That's right. <laughs> Uh, it's been a great conversation so far, and when you tune in to the True Chat Show, you'll be sure 
to hear a show that co- that brings you off-the-wall content from the minds of Justin and Cam, the co-founders of True Chat. Happy, sad, prophetic, or just plain weird. You never know what you're going to get every weekday by 6 p.m. Eastern time. And that's it, Cam, just plain weird. That's, Sorry. <laughs> In addition to the true, he doesn't listen to this show anyway. So I know. In addition to the I'll true, try to chat get him show, to. Yeah. true chat has a full selection of sports, politics, entertainment, business, lifestyle, and more. So be sure to head over to truechat.org or tune in by downloading the True Chat mobile app. T R U E C H A T. True Chat will be the mortal enemy of speculation, innuendo, and stagnation. We will champion informed opinions and fresh ideas. True Chat will prove that media can be trusted, relied on, and responsible. We won't join the media elite because we're setting a new standard. A higher standard, the True Chat standard. If you have any ethical concerns with today's episode, please email ethics at truechat.org. Again, that's ethics at T R U E C H A T dot org. So, hiring growth powers the economy. This is from the Wall Street Journal, the Saturday Sunday edition, December 9th through the 10th of 2017. The U.S. economy is hitting milestones not seen in more than a decade, marked by robust hiring that has led to low unemployment and a sustained pickup in output. Labor Department data Friday showed a non-farm payrolls rose, a seasonally adjusted 228,000 in November, the record 86th straight month of expansion after a 244,000 gain in October. Steady hiring has in turn driven the unemployment rate down to 4.1% for two straight months, holding at a 17-year low. So that would put the economic output on track for a third straight quarter of near 3% growth. A breakout, for now at least, from a long period of 2% growth. The economy hasn't delivered three straight quarters of growth at or above 3% since a period from mid-2004 to early 2005. The economy has stumbled at other points in eight years since the recession ended and might do so again, but it appears at the moment to be on especially firm footing. Uh, and then we're going to skip ahead here to the one part that I found to be interesting, and this is talking about wages, because Lance and I have talked a lot about the economy is doing well. I think sometimes mistake that for that means Americans are doing well, and those aren't the same thing. For what it's worth, uh, this article does a nice job, I think, of shedding some light on companies, not just unwillingness, but inability uh, because of certain levers that are in place to be able to raise wages. And here's, here's the part that speaks to that. The low jobless rate might mean workers are finally getting the bargaining power to start demanding and winning higher wages. Though longer run forces are helping to hold wages in check, well-paid baby boomers are being replaced by low-earning millennials, and the development of a global labor market means factory workers in Ohio compete with those in China. And still, soft inflation makes it hard for companies to pass along wage increases to customers. It is hard at this point to pinpoint how much of the apparent economic uptrend can be attributed to policies coming out of Washington and how much is due to other factors. The Trump administration points to its efforts to cut taxes and pare back business regulation, but other factors such as long-delayed economic recoveries in Japan and Europe are also likely independently at play. So basically here, there's a number of different examples from these companies and what's going on. Uh, but a lot of them, a lot of them cite that they were created as low-cost companies to save other companies money or save consumers money. And the problem is that because inflation has been relatively soft, uh, they don't have a good way to. They can hire more people because when they hire more people, they can have more customers. But if they start paying the people more money, then they're not outputting any more. 
And if they raise prices, then they will lose consumers because the consumers and businesses don't have the necessary cash to afford the more expensive service. So unfortunately, uh, it is a vicious issue right now that we have to figure out, okay, how do we solve that without, and there may not be a way, and that's part of what we might have to adjust to, without sending unemployment up again. Because you're stuck with, if you ask companies to pay their employees more, then they will have less employees, less people working, less people buying. But again, if the people working have more money, it's a proportional, a proportional measure, other than you'll have more people out of work, which isn't great, because obviously those people's standard of living isn't as good. But we've talked about before, Lance, that generally speaking in our kind of economy, most things below 8% for unemployment means we're doing pretty well, all told. Means we're doing pretty well. Um, and we're at 4.1%, which again, by economist standards, is considered basically full employment. Because uh, again, in our economy, you, ba- you can't have 0% unemployment because people have a choice as to whether or not to work. And there's always going to be people that choose not to work. You know, or for any for any number of reasons, can't you know people who are disabled who cannot work uh, regular jobs. So, I guess the question is, you and I both want wages to go up. Being the owner of a small business, I'd like to pay people more. I've made a conscious decision for what it's worth, um, at least at Maple Lane, that we don't pay anybody minimum wage, and that's that's just because I've always believed that you have to take care to the extent that you can the worker. We want to offer benefits. They might not be the best benefits, but we want to offer things that take care of the people, even though it costs the business more money, because I have always been a firm believer in the long-term planning. um, And I'd much rather pay a little bit more and have somebody for 10 years than pay a little bit less and have them for a year. So I don't know, how, how can we, is there a way to solve this that you see that doesn't send the unemployment rate a lot higher? Well, I, Honestly, no, there isn't, except that people have to understand that if you make more money, prices are going to go up. That's right. It's people, always proportional. It, that's, if we pay everybody $15 an hour, you got to pay right. more for your stuff. Right. And I guess right now there are so many, it just seems to me like the service sector, which, and, and jobs are changing. That's the other problem, is when I talk to people my age and older, it's like, well, you know, we've got to get those factory, no, the factory jobs aren't coming back, people. The workforce is changing, and there are skilled positions that are going unfilled that will pay you more money, but you have to go get those skills. And what I I was reading and and, and heard someone talking uh, this week about that, and they said what companies are willing to do right now is rather than pick people up and say, I'll pay you more money because you're skilled. I will pay somebody less money and train them the one I the way I want to train them. Right, and so and that's part of what this companies are buying. You know, companies right now are buying into the fact that, that I don't want to pay for a good worker. Yeah. I want to pay for somebody that I can train. They do a three to one or two to one ratio. Right, and you then get a season one to train, and then I can you know if I hire three people and one of them works out, then I'm ahead of the game. Whereas if I hire one person to do the job of three people and pay them more money. And, and then I don't and I out. don't keep them, or then I'm still I'm back to where I was before. So there's there's part of the problem. But I think we can obviously just looking around. And I know I'm somebody who's retired, but I'm still working. I mean, I'm always going to hustle for some money somewhere. But when I go around, there are not enough people anywhere. It's like if I walk into a restaurant, they're open, but they have three people working when they need to at the busy peak time have five or seven. And so 
they're still asking for workers. You know what I'm saying? And, and they're not out there. So I, I think that we can eat a little bit of that uh, and make the unemployment rate go up and get better service and better workers and then start to reward people for good jobs. Right now, why not jump from job to job? Why not go from place to place? Because everybody's looking and they're all paying the same. There's no incentive for me to stay somewhere because I can go make seven, eight, nine dollars an hour anywhere. So you make me mad or I don't like the hours you give me or I don't like the shift you give me, then I'll just go across the street. I mean it's it's amazing the number of adults that I see go from fast food place to fast food place to fast food place or go from Walmart to Target to Kmart to Myers. They just they just make the rounds yep. because they get mad and they can leave and then go find and then go find another job. You know, so maybe if the job market tightened up a little bit, people would pay more for good workers, would pay more for people who did a good job, who came to work on time. Mm-hmm. You know, I've told the story before that uh, one of my former students who works as a manager at McDonald's has had to hire people that they let go for not coming into work because at least they'll come into work sometime. Like they let them go because they just didn't show in for three shifts over a month period. And said, sorry, you're not coming in. They couldn't find anybody. Only missing three shifts in a month was better than the people that they could find to replace them. Yeah. But again, why do I care if I go to work or not when I know I can walk across the street and get another and, job? And get another job at the same amount of money. Somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Yep. So Camden I, just got a job offer from Amazon. Yeah. Filling pantry boxes. I don't yeah. care about him if he's not listening to this show. I mean, I can't believe that he did that all this time on this show with us and, and bringing me in and everything. And I doesn't even listen to us. I'm hurt. I'm oh, hurt. You got to imagine but, how I feel. I, I can't. I, I know. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, so I still I still have to be on a show with him Monday through Friday. Yeah. So. He probably didn't yeah. listen to that one. Oh, no. And he's on it. <laughs> That's right. But uh, so he, but he got a job offer. So you're saying he hasn't That's taken right. it yet? Well, I don't know. He had a contingent job offer. He got it while we were on the show yesterday. I see. He, he read on the show. Um, and then he had to go later that day to an interview. Oh, so, so he was investigating it. Right. Yeah. He had not decided, but he was excited. It, I think it was the first well, job our, offer. Our local got. grocery store, I mean, see, my, my dream job since I was seven years old was always to work at a grocery store. Yeah. Because I just thought bagging, standing there, talking to customers, bagging groceries would be a cool thing to do, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just something. Was, I went to the store with my mom. I've always we've got to bag, help them bag groceries. And I, yep. I thought, one of these days, you know, I'm going to do that job. I love the grocery store. And our, our local grocery store, for the first time in my 33 years of living here, is actually asking, has signs up in the window of the store yeah. asking for applications. Yep. I mean, they've always had more applications than they've had positions. They've never publicly, yep. that I know of, in th- and, and it's been up now for three I see months. Them all the time. Yeah. It's been up for three months. Mm-hmm. So they obviously still haven't filled all the jobs. And then the small town grocery store in, in the town just five minutes north of me has a huge sign up saying, you can work it. You pick your department. You pick your hours. We are very flexible. I mean, it's amazing. What, what more never, do you want? I've, I've never <laughs> you choose seen, right. where you work at our company, and you choose what hours you work. It's I've all been, you, baby. <laughs> I've been working for well, what? I'll be for. I've been working for forty-five years. Yeah, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen the job market this wide open for people. So I think I think that we can tighten the screws. But understand it. I'll, I'll end with this, and that is. The reason why you, I think that you won't see companies, another reason that you didn't mention, 
is to to pay more money is because that's why you're seeing the stock market go up. Uh-huh. Everybody's running their business to make a profit so that they can meet their shareholders' demands to make money. The and ch- so that's another issue yeah. that nobody's talking about because we want to point to how well the stock market's doing. But if that's going to be the be-all, end-all, then the workers aren't going to be taken care of. I think people talk about that. The people that talk about that, though, then make the mistake of – we make the mistake of making it all one issue. Because the reality is that small business collectively employs you know, most of the American workforce, albeit most of them don't employ more than you know, three or four people. True. That said, I agree with you. I think that there are definitely companies out there who can't afford to raise wages, especially when we see the stock market doing what the stock market's doing. We know that they can because you don't post gains like that and not be able to raise wages. At the same time, most companies aren't publicly traded. And they're the ones that we have to think about in this of what is reasonable to ask them to do that doesn't kneecap them. Because at the same time, we also don't want to lose lots of businesses as a result. I think we've both talked about at some point you've got to raise the minimum wage. And yes, that means prices go up proportionally. Yes, the unemployment rate will go up. And yes, some businesses will fail. But that's how it goes. I mean, people think it's a joke. Um, because I've, I've said it before and people are like, that's not right. And I'm like, it's just a fact. I mean, you can not like it, but it's it's just the truth. Millennials are working, and this is Pew Research, you can look it up because I've cited it a lot of times. They are working harder for less money than every other generation of the past four generations. They are asked to do more for less money. I mean, it's the very nature of the opposite of what's supposed to happen. You know, well, the former, you need to work harder and longer for less dollars than everybody before you. I mean, the former host that we shall not name mentioned on the last time he was on this show yeah. that my minimum wage job that I was married in 1981 or 1982 yep. now is is worth like $17, Eight, yeah, $18, almost an $18 an hour. dollars an hour in yeah, comparison to the factory that's quote unquote a good job right. paying $15 an hour, which right. is almost double the minimum wage. Right. So my minimum wage job 35 years ago mm-hmm. had the earning power of more oh, than right. somebody more than a, a factory, good, good job, factory today, job today, you know, much less a minimum wage job. Yeah, yeah, which is a great point. Mm-hmm. You know, which, which was a great point. And I, that, I mean, to me, that says it all. Yeah. Well, because see, that's the that's the thing that. And you want to know why there's ninety nine percent and the one percent? You want to know why there's a money discrepancy in the United States? It's because of that fact alone. I think in thirty five years, that minimum wage buying power has gone down by almost three hundred percent. Well, that's why there's such a, a gap, in, an income gap, in what Americans are earning. I mean, I grew up thinking, and I'm not the only one, I think everybody in our community, and this is maybe the small town, big town problem, which again goes back to that 1% versus the 99, that, you know, that 10 bucks an hour was really good pay. I mean, I, I thought that was phenomenal. I was thrilled if I was making that. And the reality is that $10 doesn't buy what $10 used to buy. You know, exactly. Um, yeah. Even even when I was younger and thought that was really good, it doesn't buy what it used to buy. You can't buy as much. Uh, that said, too, I think in all of this, uh, the thing that we neglect to talk about that I, I hope we get to spend some time on and we've discussed only briefly before is how Americans spend and use their money. Yeah. Brett and I, by most standards, don't make a lot of money. I run two different businesses and I just bought a house 
And Brett and I have pretty much always bought most of whatever we've wanted. And the key there being most of whatever we've wanted, you know, not everything that we always want. And we don't always get it all when we want it. But, and for the most part, we don't, you know, we're not making $20 an hour. We're making above minimum wage and below, you know, what would be considered the best of factory jobs, you know, not the good one, but not the best one either. We're not middle class or upper middle class by even most standards. But if you look at how we live, we certainly are. And that I think goes back to the question of this idea of people not learning how to spend money or how they choose to spend it or how much they waste. And that is something that I think we've got to spend more time on because part of fixing the economy isn't just you know, <laughs> let's raise wages and give people more money to waste. It's right. let's raise wages. And when I say waste money, I don't mean wasting it by going out and buying something that, that you want. You know, Brett and I have bought in the last year a 4K TV, a new Xbox. Those are the two big But you're talking about you're talking about ones. money management. I and mean, we bought a house, you yeah, know. Right. You're talking about yeah. money management. Right. Right. Yeah. Well and how you prioritize what's important to you. Brett and I have always it's always been important to us to have a nice place to live. You know, the apartment that we had before, the house that we have now, we cared a lot about that. Other people don't. Camden is a good example of, I mean, he cares, but not that much. You know, he's not going to spend much money on decorating his apartment. He would much rather spend that money on going to a movie every week, which is fine, but it's all about what do you care about spending it on? You know, he'd rather spend $100 on nerd cards, and to him that's no big deal. You know, I would never do that. Um, <laughs> I would buy a board game for fifty dollars. So, but we got to talk about that too because I think it's a missed component. Well, we've talked about it for a long time. Where yes, well, we brought We're it talking up, about it in relation and that is, to this. Where have you? Where do you learn that? Yeah, you know, we we haven't talked about that. We talked about the fact that okay, we talk about people who have poor money management. Americans have poor money management skills, but where do they learn that? Right. Where do we teach money management skills? And the fact is, simple fact is, we don't. Yeah. Unless we you learn it, it at home or you learn it on your own yeah. or you watch a video, you know, with somebody that you think you can trust, you, we don't we don't teach it anywhere. Yep. You, you I mean, to, I learned it because of you have to pick the it up cattle through company. osmosis. Right. You know? Right. I mean, when you start running a business, even if it's a little itty bitty business at 14, you start to figure out how to squeeze dollars here and there and how to change when you pay certain bills. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of things that don't have anything to do with changing how you live or what you get. It's just a matter of math, planning, you know, I mean, some basic stuff that you have to figure out. I was fortunate because I learned it by doing, right. you know, at a young age when you have, when I had the backup to make the mistakes. If it doesn't go well, mom and dad are there to, you know, make sure that I don't go hungry and start. And I did it out of necessity, getting married young and being a student. Exactly. And, and all of this kind of stuff. I just said, they have you know to what? Figure out there's a way it. I want to live and I'm going to make it somehow. I'm right. going to make it. I'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> and I've been able to, and I've kept that up. Yep. So like my brother said, he goes, you've always been good at that. But again, it was like you, it was out of necessity Yeah. to get married young, not having w- good paying jobs. And both of us deciding we both wanted to go back to college to get the jobs that we wanted, not because we wanted to go to college, but because right. that was the job required of the job that we that wanted. got you to where you so want how to be. So how are we going to manage that? And see, that's a whole other issue of college not getting you where you want to be now. I mean, for some people it does, but for so many it doesn't. Or, that's what or I re- if it does get them there, then they're saddled with you know all the debt. an insurmountable yeah. amount of, I mean, it's almost like they've bought a house yeah. going into life. and. That's if they get the job they want, and a lot of them don't, you know. Well, and that's why I mentioned before when I said people are not – companies are not hiring people who have the skill set. Yeah. I wasn't saying you had to go to college. 
but you have to go get the skills for the market yep. that you want to work in, yep. which isn't necessarily a four-year school anymore. Lots to untangle here, um, as always. But I, I, we've The world, seen, it is a-changing. The world is a-changing, that's for sure. On, on a lighter note, real quickly, because I just okay. in case, because I'm, I'm big into this one. It's not a bad show. The, the Crown... Uh, the second season yes. is arriving on f- this coming Friday on Netflix. So just so you can get your watching in, or is this? Well, yeah, it came out December eighth. Was okay. So yesterday <laughs> was the first. I missed it. I know. Okay, all I right. I did too. I'm excited. Yeah, that was. I have to go watch. That's that. not one I would normally have watched, but my daughter said it was it's, good, it's and good. there's enough history in it that I could enjoy it. And my yeah. wife loves that stuff. So it's a, it's one that yeah. we could sit down and watch together. So It gave me a All whole right. new appreciation for... Season two is out. Good old Queen Elizabeth. Man, I got to finish turn then. I'm, a, I'm finally in <laughs> season four. I really am excited to see what you think of the ending. And then the new Longmire's out. I, I got all kinds you of You got TV. lots of Netflix. I got a lot of Netflix time <laughs> this winter. Okay. You be flicking the net. That's it. All right. All right, so here uh, we can't thank you enough for tuning in, as always, to True Chat. And if you listen to podcasts on another platform, we'd really like for you to come to our website, truechat.org, or download our app, the True Chat app. But you can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and other platforms. For the state of us on True Chat in Urbana, Ohio, I'm Justin T. Weller. And I'm Lance Jackson. We'll see you back on Tuesday. In the meantime, be the change. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.